Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the Best Damn Move Related Show on the planet Earth, the John Campy Show, coming from right here on my YouTube channel. I am, of course, your host, John Campy, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you. My international friends gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, some movies, some TV, streaming, some video games here and there, yeah, a little bit of MMA now and again, too. Whatever it is that we want to talk about, that's what we're here to do. And today... It's a little bit of a surprise show. To some of you, it's a bit of a surprise that we're here. And why would you be surprised that we're here? Well, because last night I put up a post on uh, on the YouTube channel in the community feed saying that there wasn't going to be a show today. Here's why. So yesterday was obviously election day in the United States. And I'm not here to talk politics. So we don't talk politics on this show. All of us here, regardless of our backgrounds or for or political leanings, whatever, we're all movie fans together. That's what we are here in this place. But as I say, you know, regardless of whatever side of things you fall on, it's a stressful night. And I knew I was going to be stressed, right? So I put up on this post to say, guys, look, I just know my stomach. This was, I can't remember what time I put this post up at, but I'm like, my stomach is already in knots. I know I'm not going to be able to get to sleep tonight. So probably not going to do a show tomorrow, right? And sure enough, I'm watching, I'm watching the news and everything last night. And look, and I'm telling you, I love, you know, the Stanley Cup finals. I love the Super Bowl. I love a big MMA fight. These are all big, exciting. I love the Oscars. Big, exciting, wonderful events. But they're not, they're exciting and they're fun and they have value. But they're not important. An election's important, right? So sure enough, probably like everybody else in the country, I'm sitting up there like st my stomach is in knots and I wasn't able to fall asleep. I'm not kidding. I wasn't able to fall asleep till like four o'clock in the morning. I, I kid you not. I, uh, hand of God, I, I didn't get to sleep till about 4 a.m. And when I was fall, finally falling asleep, I, I remember thinking to myself, well, at least I'll sleep like probably right through till noon. Nope. I had nightmares. My mind was racing. I woke up at 6 a.m. this morning. <laughs> I woke up at 6 a.m. And let me see if I can pull this up. I'm not sure that I can. Hold a second. Um, so, I wake up at 6 a.m. and I said, all right, I, I wait till the, till, till the light comes up a little bit and I, I go on a walk. Here's a beautiful picture of, of my morning walk. So I go on my morning walk this morning. I, I'm, I'm lucky I live in a really pretty neighborhood with the mountains in the background there. So I decide I'm going to go out. I'm going to go on a walk. So I go out on a walk and I get back home and I think I, I'm still too wound up. And I thought, you know what? You know what's great for stuff like this? talking movies. So I decided at the last minute that we would do a show today. And even though we had no topics lined up per se, I said, you know what? I just want to get together with the, my, my fellow film fans and just talk about movies and favorite TV shows or whatever. And that's what I decided. So today's show is a little bit of therapeutic, kind of a therapeutic session for me. I'm sure it is for a lot of you guys too. So it's great to have you guys here. Anyway, I do have a couple of things I want to talk about, but for the most part, I'm going to be taking your guys' live questions. We're just going to do a short show today. Like I said, nobody was expecting us to do a show today, but we're going to take your live questions. If you want to fire in a live question, simply look in the top of the description of this video. You'll see a link there, or you can enter it in manually, streamelements.com slash movieblogtv slash tip. You'll be getting your comment or question on the show, and of course, you'll be supporting the show at the same time. So thank you for that. Oh, one other thing I wanted to ask you guys about, since it's kind of a casual day today, I want to ask you guys about this. Now, I don't know if you can tell by my pasty, pasty white pigmentation of my very, very white skin. 
I don't get out in the sun much. I don't know if you've noticed. You probably have. I don't get out in the sun much. And, you know, one of the things I've kind of been eyeballing, and I'm dying to know if any of you guys have one of these things, and if you can tell me if you have one, because I'm really thinking about getting one of these. Let me see if I can bring it up here. I'm really thinking about getting one of these one wheels. Have you guys seen these things? A buddy of mine came to visit me from Nashville about a year and a half ago, and he had one of these things. And I was like, blown away by it. Like I, I, like he showed me how to use it. It's like blown away. I can't believe how fast it goes, how powerful it is, all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, I think I want to get one. And I'm kind of looking for excuses to get me out of the house more. You know, it's like, Hey, I've got 20 minutes to spare instead of sitting inside. How would I go outside? So I'm thinking about getting one of these things. So if any of you guys have um, any, have any experience with one of these, or if any of you guys actually have one of these things, I would love it if you could email me and tell me your experience because I am, my wife wants me to get one. I think she wants me to get two. Cause I think she wants one as well, but I'm definitely thinking about getting one. They're not cheap. That's why I'm asking a lot of people for opinions. Cause I think this thing runs like 1700 bucks, but if it's going to get me out of the house into the fresh air and maybe not be so incredibly eye blindingly pasty white that I am, that would be great news. So let me guys, uh, let me know guys, if, uh, you guys have any experience with that. Okay. Listen, before we go right over to the live questions, there is one thing I, I thought would be interesting to talk about here today. Now you guys know, of course, that we have our podcast feed, right? So we have an audio podcast feed that's mostly of just the audio versions of the show. You can go and find it on your podcasting app of choice. But we just recently started doing once or twice a week open mic podcasts. And it's a lot of fun, actually. I have a really good time just doing these pre-recorded podcasts. And it's all topics submitted by our Patreon supporters. So they submit some great topics and a lot of fun stuff. And so we did one of these open mic podcast yesterday. And it's right there on the podcast feed for anybody to get. And one of our Patreon supporters wrote in something that I thought was really interesting. And it was about Mandalorian. Now, most of us, most people tend to really like the Mandalorian. I love Mandalorian, but not everybody does because all ent entertainment is subjective, right? So not everybody does. That's totally cool. So this one Patreon supporter wrote in yesterday to say, you know what? I, I don't like Mandalorian. I wish I did, but I find it to be this and this and this, and that's all fair. But they ended their statement with something that I thought was really interesting and something that made me think a little bit because they basically said this, and I'm paraphrasing here a little bit, but this Patreon supporter believed that this isn't actually a very good show at all. And the only reason people like it and the only reason it's popular is because it's Star Wars. And if it wasn't Star Wars, people wouldn't think it was a good show and people wouldn't think it's it's good. Now, all things are subjective, but I did find that last statement of his to be rather interesting. It made me think about it for a second, right? Because it's very difficult to separate what a show you know, what property a show is associated with from just the show itself. Like, it's hard to ask myself the question, would I have liked Ant-Man if it wasn't in the MCU? Well, I'm pretty sure I would have, but that's an interesting question. Would I have liked Captain America if it was the exact same movie, let's say Captain America Winter Soldier, if it was the exact same movie, 
but you replace the characters with characters who are just brand new characters we've never heard. Like instead of Captain America, it's Captain Do Right or whatever. I'm making up the name. Um, would I still, would we still like it as much? It's, it's a fair question, right? So I thought about it. And here's my take on this. And it's just my take. And I want to know what you guys think. First of all, you have to understand that I do like Mandalorian. I like Mandalorian very much. I, I think Mandalorian's a great show, as a matter of fact. I have a great time with it. So, so there's that. I think it's a terrific Western show. I think it's really fun characters. I think, again, one of my things that I love about Mandalorian so much is it is done in that Western, that gritty Western style, that spaghetti Western style almost in many ways, right? And that's the thing I love about it. And so the characters all fit within that mode. And sure, I love the Star Wars aspect of it. Of course I do. But I think I like it regardless. At the end of the day, here's my thought on this. I think people who like Mandalorian, while it would impact it probably a little bit, I think Mandalorian would still be really popular and considered good if it wasn't Star Wars. And here's why. To say that People wouldn't like Mandalorian if it wasn't Star Wars. To say that, that implies a suggestion that everything that is Star Wars, everybody loves, right? Because to say, to make the statement, people wouldn't like Mandalorian or people only like Mandalorian because it's Star Wars. If that's true, then the implied message is everything that is Star Wars, people like, because everything that's Star Wars is Star Wars. Therefore, everything that Star Wars people's like. So I thought about that. It's like, well, we know that's not true. There's a lot of Star Wars fans who do not like the prequels. There are those who do, and there are those who don't. There are Star Wars fans who don't like Clone Wars. There are those who do, and there are some who don't. There are those Star Wars fans who don't like Rebels. There are those who do, like me, and those who don't. There are those who don't like the prequel, the, the recent prequel trilogy. There are those who do, I like two of them, and those who don't, I don't like one of them. So to me, at least the way my mind works on this, my thought process is this, to make the statement that people only like Mandalorian is because it's Star Wars. That assumes that it being a Star Wars show, people are going to like it no matter what. And if that was true, then everybody would like everything Star Wars, but clearly they don't. So my assumption here is, and you guys need to tell me if I'm wrong. My assumption here is if Mandalorian was a bad show, and it's all subjective, of course, but I'm just saying if Mandalorian was a bad show, people would say they didn't like it. Because when the Rise of Skywalker comes out and a lot of us don't like it, we say we don't like it. When the prequels come out and we don't like it, those of us who didn't like it say we didn't like it, right? I mean, so yeah, I tend to believe that maybe not as popular because of course, Star Wars is a big brand. Captain America wouldn't be as popular if it wasn't in the MCU. Sure, it has it has an influence, but I still believe that people would enjoy and like and Mandalorian would still be successful even if it wasn't a Star Wars show. That's my take on it anyway. What do you guys think about that? I want to hear thought of my, am I, is there a part of this thought process that I'm not taking into consideration? Jump down into the comments and let me know 
what you guys think about that. Okay, guys, with that out of the way, we're just going to spend the rest of a shortened show today just taking your live questions that you guys have been sending in. So once again, let's jump over and start seeing what you guys want to talk about. All right. Uh, AMC broom closet days, right? So those were good days. Uh, Rob, who is not here today, uh, was that a black pink shirt you were wearing yesterday? Uh, it was a black pink shirt that Rob was wearing, uh, the other day. If I had known you were a K-pop fan, I would have loved to have a conversation with you about it at John's 100 million views celebration. John, would you ever consider releasing a video of that celebration? So two things. Look, look. Let's let's can we just be real here for a second? Let's be real. Let's sit down together and let's just be real with each other. You know, I love Man of Steel. If you come up to me and say you hate Man of Steel, that's okay. We can still be friends. That's good. I love Man of Steel. You don't love Man of Steel. It's all good. We can still be friends, right? I don't, I have no idea what the hell people are listening to, listening to K-pop. I'm sorry. I try to be as open-minded as I can about music. I have tried to listen to some K-pop because I got a buddy of mine who's just like really weirdly obsessed with K-pop. Like white middle-aged dude, buddy of mine, totally loves K-pop. And I have, believe me, I have tried. I have tried. And I just, I'm just like, what the hell is this? And I can get into almost any kind of music, admittedly except country, but I can get it onto almost any kind of music, any kind of music. You know, if you listen to my playlists, it's all over the place. People laugh at me like Ann and Kaori will laugh at me when we're in the car and I have like one of my playlists on because my playlist goes all over the place, right? Like all over the place. So but a K-pop, I, I just don't get. So anyway, that's that's my, I, I someone's going to have to explain it to me at some point because I listen to it. I'm like, this just doesn't sound very good, but whatever. Okay. So uh, moving on from that, as far as the video of my hundred million view party, um, I, we did video the hundred million view party. We did. So for those of you who remember, like in December, we, we had the 100 million view celebration because the John Campy YouTube channel hit 100 million views, uh, which was awesome. And we hit uh, right about the same time we hit 200,000 subscribers, which was awesome. Um, and we had this special night and it was great. It was such a great night. Thank you again to everybody who came out to it. We booked a theater here in LA. We had everybody get together. We, you know, with me and Rob and Aaron and Ann and Chris Carr. And we just, you know, it just had a, a really nice time. Dennis Zen came down as well. It was really great. And we did record it. And my original intention was to put the video out up on the YouTube channel. But every time I thought about putting it up on the YouTube channel, I just felt like there was something so cool about the, the intimacy of that night, about just the being there. And I just don't know that you can capture that watching it in video. And I just often wonder if it just cheapens it if I put it up online. So I don't know. I still have it. I just haven't decided yet whether to put the video up or not. And it's it's almost, we're getting close to a year later. So I don't know. I don't even know if it'd be worth it now. Anyway, thanks for writing that in, man. Uh, next up, we've got an anonymous viewer who writes, 
I've always hated how Cyclops was treated in the movies. He's a co- he's a complex and integral character to the X-Men, but was reduced to a jealous boyfriend who abruptly dies off screen while Xavier and team express no remorse for his loss. Hope the MCU treats him well. Listen, I am a big fan of the Fox X-Men movies. Not all of them were great. There were a couple of them that were real stinkers, but like, especially when you're talking X-Men 1, X-Men 2, like I love those movies. Actually, the whole reason we have the golden age of comic book movies today is because of that first X-Men movie, right? Anyway, but as much as I loved those films, particularly X-Men 1 and 2, the one thing, if you were to ask me what is the one glaring weakness of those films, I 1,000% agree with you. It is how they handled the Cyclops character and James Marsden who has just who played Cyclops in those movies and was recently in uh, uh, was surprisingly great in that little Sonic movie James Marsden has gone on to be one of the most go-to and reliable actors in Hollywood I love James Marsden but James Marsden was a great casting for that character but it's just from a scripting point of view And I love the scripts for X-Men 1 and 2, but just the one character, Cyclops, they so badly mismanaged Cyclops. It's, it's like what, it's one of the biggest glaring things that keep it from being an almost perfect comic book set of comic book movies to me, but how they handled Cyclops was so bad because you're right. Cyclops is depending on who you ask, some would even say he's like the central figure of the X-Men. He is the field leader of other than professor X. He's the leader of the X-Men. It's his leadership and all, but, but they just made him such an afterthought, right? Because they were so intent on making Wolverine the central figure. Like it was so key that Wolverine was the central figure that you had to diminish Cyclops because what's one of the worst, uh, worst, you know, plot devices they use in almost any movie, right? In almost any movie, if you have a hero who's in love with a girl and that girl is with somebody else already, what do they always do? At least 99% of the time, they make it so the guy that the girl is already with is either a loser or a dick, right? Almost every time you come to a movie or TV show, if the hero likes a girl who's already in a relationship, nine times out of 10, the guy who's in that relationship with the girl already is a dick, right? Or they have to diminish him a lot because they want the focus to be on the hero. And I feel like they had it in their heads, and I don't know this for sure, but I feel like they had it in their minds that It's so important that everything be focused on Wolverine that we have to diminish any other rival for attention around him to highlight Wolverine. So it's almost like they thought, well, we can't make Wolverine look cool unless we make Cyclops look weak. Because if Scott looks strong, that doesn't make, you know, that doesn't make Wolverine look as strong, right? It, It almost feels like they had that approach. And again, I love those movies. Absolutely love those movies. I always will. But that is the one part of those movies that they really, I I felt like they botched. And I'm with you. I hope whenever, um, whenever 
Kevin Feige gets around to incorporating X-Men in, whether it's three years from now, five years from now, 10 years from now, whatever. I hope they do. If they have it, by the way, and I don't think they have to have Cyclops. If you don't want to use the Cyclops character, don't use the Cyclops character. But if you're going to use the Cyclops character and you're going to say he is the leader of the X-Men, treat him like it. That, that's, that's all I'm saying. You don't even have to use him. But if you use him, treat him like he deserves to be treated. Anyway, that's, 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 that's my thought on that. So I agree with you, man. All right. Ryan Loner writes, one of two. Another hugely underrated Connery film, which is available on Disney Plus, is Darby O'Gill and the Little People, uh, about an old man who tries to cheat death when he gets three wishes from leprechauns. It's especially notable uh, for the special effects showing leprechauns and humans in the same shot, which is, in all honesty, uh, look every bit as good as the ones in Lord of the Rings using forced perspective. Uh, and I have no idea how they were done back in the 50s. Probably, no, I haven't seen Darby O'Gill. I haven't seen it. Uh, that's not, you know, one of the classic Connery films and obviously considerably before my time. And that's perfectly fine. Um, but one of the cool things, I, the technology to do, the technology to do force perspective. And remember, I'm talking a little bit out of my ass here because I haven't seen Darby O'Gill. But really, when you watch the behind the scenes stuff on Lord of the Rings and you see how they pulled off that forced perspective stuff, you can start to imagine how they could have done it with the technology available to them at the time. And even as early as the fifties or sixties, but again, I don't want to invest too much in that because I haven't seen it myself. So I don't know, but it seems like it still would have been possible if they knew how to do it. Right. And maybe that's something that Peter Jackson borrowed from, I mean, maybe that's something he was inspired by and borrowed from when he approached his Lord of the Rings films. Anyway, thanks for writing that in, Ryan. All right, next up, Min Tran writes, John, you previously said that you think the next time Wonder Woman 84 moves, do, uh, do that there being previous release date. Let me try this again. John, you previously said that you think the next time Wonder Woman 1984 move, do that there being previously release date come hell or high water it'll keep that date why do you not think that they are at that point already all right okay i think it th i know what you're saying so i remember i i don't remember specifically saying that but that's totally something i would have said so wonder woman has already been moved a couple times right and i thought if they move it again they'll keep that date whatever it is and then I think it ended up on December. But I think what I and a lot of people assumed was that if they did move Wonder Woman, it was going to be more than like a seven week move. You, you know what I mean? Because, you know, you look at uh, a movie like uh, Fast and the Furious, when it moved, it moved a year. You look at a number of the other films, when they moved, they moved like six months, you know, and stuff like that. And so, I wasn't anticipating, I don't think a lot of us were anticipating that Wonder Woman moves and in moving, it moves like seven or eight weeks. It doesn't move far at all. So I don't know that I would have had the same opinion if I knew they were just going to nudge it a little bit like into December. So, yeah, I mean, obviously that's a little bit different. If it's still in the same year, I don't know, that could, that could change things. I would guess though. You know, we talked yesterday on the show, I think it was yesterday, that Deadline 
is forecasting that, yeah, Warner Brothers is getting ready to move Wonder Woman again. As of right now, it's still opening in December, but let's it's, it's going to move. I'm anticipating, and I do not know this. This is just what I think. Okay, it's not what I know. It's just what I think. I'm thinking and anticipating that if and when they move Wonder Woman out of December, I have a feeling this time it's not going to be just a little nudge. Like, I, I have a feeling if they move Wonder Woman again, it's not going to be six weeks. It's not going to be to mid-February uh, or maybe even at the beginning of March. I'm thinking they move it like minimum four months. So I would look like at the earliest, you know, April, May, June that they push it to. Like, they're not, I don't think if they go through the hassle of moving Wonder Woman again, they're not just going to push it a short little distance where it's still at risk of being pushed again. I think if they move it again, they're going to learn from their previous lesson. They're going to say, let's move it out so we can feel confident that we're going to be able to put it out on this new date whenever that new date is. Um, so I'm thinking minimum, it'll be a four or five month push. Again, just saying what I think, not necessarily saying what I know, just what I think. All right. Uh, next up here, we've got Caleb writes movies that I think aren't talked about nearly enough from the last 20 years. One beast of the Southern wild Two: unbreakable three wind river Four: incendies incendies. That's the, uh, uh, Denis Villeneuve film. Um, Five, Moneyball. Six, The Blind Side. Seven, Insomnia. Eight, Tree of Life. Nine, In Bruges. Thoughts on all these films? Well, I'm not going to sit here for 15 minutes and give a review of each one of those films. I'll give you quick thoughts. Uh, Beasts of the Southern Wild. I still to this day don't know if, I, if I'm saying Quavangene Wallace's name right. I think it's Quavangene? Quavangene? Anyway, anyway, one of the youngest people ever to get an Academy Award nomination. I'm the man. If that's if I'm thinking of the right movie, anyway, she was great in that. It's a great movie. I enjoy that one a lot. It's not one that I have in like my top 30 or top 40 all time favorite films list, but it's a really great movie. Uh, Unbreakable. I think people talk about Unbreakable a lot. I, I don't know what you mean by that. Uh, Wind River, fabulous movie, still relatively didn't get the attention it deserved, didn't get the Oscar love that it deserved. I thought Tyler Sheridan with that film, brilliant, 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 brilliant movie. Uh, in Sendies, uh, that's the new Villeneuve, a little Canadian there. Moneyball, I think Moneyball is really great. I I don't think Moneyball is a film we need to talk a lot about. I think it was what it was. Uh, the Blind Side, again, a movie I thought was great, but not one that I think is like transcends anything. Uh, Insomnia, that is my favorite Christopher Nolan film. Insomnia is actually my favorite Christopher Nolan film. And that includes The Dark Knight. Uh, Insomnia is my favorite Christopher Nolan film. I love that. Tree of Life. I'm actually not a big fan of Tree of Life. I'm one of the few people that I know that actually I'm not a big fan of Tree of Life. And in Bruges, Colin Farrell, um, absolutely fantastic. Donald, not Donald Gleason, uh, Donald Gleason, Donald's, uh, Donald's dad, uh, Brennan Gleason. Uh, so those two, so good in that. I love in Bruges. In Bruges is fantastic. So those are my thoughts on those films. All right. Uh, next up, an anonymous viewer writes. Have you seen the Twilight Zone episode, The Wonder Kid? It is terrifying, and Jacob Tremblay is an amazing actor. If not, you should check it out. Do you think he has a lifelong career of dominance in Hollywood? I do. Mm, no, I haven't. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying he doesn't. I'm saying I haven't seen... I haven't seen anything to suggest that he will yet. I like... I like him. Like, I like Jacob Tremblay. I do. I haven't seen anything in it, but he's very young. So let's give him some time, shall we? I'm just saying right now I haven't seen 
anything. Not like Timothy Chalamet, who like you can see it in him. He he has the potential to be the next Daniel Day Lewis. Uh, but I haven't seen that. That I haven't watched Twilight Zone, the the new one. I have not watched any of the new Twilight Zone yet, so I can't even remember what network that's on. To be honest with you, I can't even remember what the network it's on. But no, I have not seen any of it, so I've not seen that one yet. But I've keep I like the original Twilight Zone, so I should get around to watching that at some point. Okay, next up, Willow writes. I hope it isn't too political, but do you remember the good old days when you were watching something like House of Cards and just thought it was an entertaining fictional thriller? Good times. Yeah, look, I I, I don't want to get into any politics here. Like I said, look, I listen, I'm a human being. I have thoughts and opinions on the political issues of our day, and I will talk about those like on my personal Facebook page or something like I'll talk about that stuff there. But here, I don't like to get into it because... Here, we are all movie fans, right? We are all movie fans here. We're all TV fans together. We are in the same fan community. I don't, in here, I don't give a crap who you want to be president. I don't care. Not here. Here, this is our place. And of course, I do have my own thoughts and opinions, but I have an avenue and I have some place that I can go and express those. Here, we're fans, so I don't want to get into it other than to just say, hey, I liked House of Cards. That's what I'll say, Willow. I liked House of Cards. Um, all right. Next up. Uh, let's see. Uh, the Dark Side writes, hey, John and Rob. Of course, Rob's not here today. Uh, after watching your show yesterday, I went and took uh, a look at Sean Connery's SNL. I can't repeat most of what he said, but it was. But I was laughing so hard. Team Godzilla. Listen, again, if you guys weren't here yesterday, let me see if I can find this. I'm not sure that I can, but let me see if I can. So, um, uh, celebrity, uh, jeopardy, um, celebrity jeopardy, Sean Connery. Uh, let me just bring up some Sean Connery quotes. Uh, anyway, if you guys have not seen these, uh, this stuff, this is this is the one somebody brought up yesterday. Hold a second. Sorry, I'm, I'm laughing so hard. So this was, uh, oh, Hammond? I think it was Hammond who played Sean Connery. Saturday Night Live had a running sketch called Celebrity Jeopardy. And Ham Hammond played Sean Connery on it. And like the category is let it snow, but move the letters around. I'll take let it's now for 800. That's just one of the many, many, Many things that Sean Connery, Hammond Sean Connery would say. Seriously, to this day, the Celebrity Jeopardy with uh, Hammond playing Sean Connery, um, uh, Will Ferrell was Alex Trebek on them. It's some of the best Saturday Night Live sketches of all time. So I'm glad you went and checked that out because, oh, I, just, I feel like I'm going to pass out laughing every time I watch it. I got to go and watch more of them today. They're so good. Make sure you guys go and check them out. All right. Next up, Certified Lover Boy writes, when debating who's the best rapper turned actor, uh, do you think we should include well-established A-listers like Will Smith, Queen Latifah, or Marky Mark, or just rappers who are starting to break into acting like Common, MG MGK, Kid Cudi, or even Tupac? Well, I mean, hold a second. <laughs> Common is not just breaking into acting. Common has been acting for a while. But I mean, if you're going to ask the question, rapper turned actor, 
then you include everybody who was started off as a rapper and turned actor. So you got to include Will Smith and Mark Wahlberg uh, and his funky bunch, right? Um, or Queen Latifah. It's hard for me not to just definitively say it's it's clearly Will Smith. I mean, he's he's literally an Oscar caliber actor. He's been nominated for Oscars for his acting. He's an incredibly gifted actor, not just a great movie star, and he is a great movie star. He's an incredibly good actor. Uh, Mark Wahlberg's been nominated for Academy Awards uh, as well. Great actor. Queen Latifah, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe she got an Academy Award nomination for Chicago. Um, I think she did. I can't remember for sure. I thought she did. Never mind. Um, as far as the other groups go, I'm not even sure any of them are really all that good except Common. Common has shown that he can play a lot of different things. He was even in this one movie with Jennifer Garner once, uh, which is why I remember it. Uh, but he was in this movie with Jennifer Garner once where he played like a kid's soccer coach, right? He can do all that. He can, he can be, you know, whether he's this assassin killer and wanted or a kid's soccer coach and some other thing or uh, a, a, another hitman and a John Wick. She can just do a lot. And I really like him as an actor. So, but I would say to me, it's a pretty easy answer. It's, it's pretty clearly to me, it's Will Smith. At least to me, that is. All right, let's move on here. Next up, the Wakandan Forever writes, uh, the two biggest movie crowd reactions for me happened during Avengers films. The first Avengers 360 team shot, then Hulk smash Loki in Endgame, uh, and Endgame, the portal scene with King T'Challa after Cap yells Thor, uh, Cap yields, it probably meant wields Thor's hammer. People literally stood and cheered, what's yours? Yeah, like I remember the pop in the first Avengers movie, which I still say is the best comic book movie ever made. I still think that first Avengers movie is the best comic movie, comic book movie ever made uh, for a lot of different reasons. I'll go into it in some detail another time, but, and that circular shot was great, but here's what tempered the pop. And we're talking about the pop. We're talking about the big crowd reaction, right? Here's what tempered the pop. We had already seen it in the trailer 20 times before we went to go see the movie, right? Because that shot of that that camera revolving around all the um, Avengers standing beside each other, that was that was something that was in the trailers before the movie came out. And so we saw that scene, right? And yeah, when it comes time and happens in the movie, it's exciting. Yeah, it's still exciting. And we still get excited and we still cheer, but it doesn't surprise us, right? Part of a pop is the surprise. So like when you go to Infinity War, um, although it wasn't a surprise, we didn't see in a trailer Thor coming into the battlefield in Wakanda. So you guys are screwed now. I mean that the ex seriously, the explosive pop in the theater when Thor shows up on the battlefield in Infinity War was huge. Then you move into Endgame and the portal scene was great. Um, I still think the biggest pop I, I heard in Endgame, though, was Mjolnir flying into Cap's hand. That was that was it. That was it. And everybody – and the reason I think that got a bigger pop than the Portal scene was because Portals was a scene or a shot that slowly rolls out, right? You hear on your left, 
a portal opens. Everybody's excited. But then another portal opens and more characters run through. And then other characters. Then we see Spider-Man swinging. Right? So it's kind of slowly revealed. Whereas like Mjolnir flying um, into uh, Mjolnir flying right into Cap's hands. That was like a boom moment. And everybody's like, ah! and lost their minds, right? So it 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 still might be Mjolnir. I, I don't know. But that, I'm telling you, that Infinity War... Thor showing up in the battlefield one. That one was pretty big too. Anyway, good question. All right, next up. We go on over to uh, Just In Time To Chat writes. One of two. Hey, John. I have said on the show before how much I love the first Transformers. Me too. I love the first one. Hate all the other ones, but I love the first one. Uh, it's one of my favorite all t- of all time. I feel it's a genuinely well-made film. Honestly, I feel like it's my generation's Jurassic Park. Hear me out. Okay. Well, I don't know if I'd go that far, but okay, Justin, I will hear you out. Uh, where Where is it? Okay, Justin, two of two. Uh, this time, love it or hate it, um, this film, love it or hate it, revolutionized CGI not really not really anyway let's move on revolutionized cgi mixed with real world elements and i love it jurassic park did that too the stories have some vastly similar plot points and i think it's super interesting jurassic park is better objectively well nothing's objectively better in art uh but transformers one is great oh i agree listen you're not going to get any argument from me that transformers one is great i have told the story before about uh, how great it is. Like the first time I'm in theaters to watch transformers for the first time. And we get to the part we were fi- where we finally meet Optimus prime and he comes in truck form rolling through that alley with the mist and everything in the dark. And then much like the Avengers shot, the camera spins around Optimus prime as he begins his transform transformation And they even kick in some of the old school generation one animated show sound effects because they worked in the that's the worst transformer sound I've ever tried to do anyway. So they have that sound and he's transforming. They incorporate that into it. And I'm like, like I'm freaking out in the theater because I am such a passionate transformers fan. Right. it, It did not revolutionize anything CGI wise. I mean, it didn't revolutionize anything CGI wise. It didn't change the game. It did a very good job. It was very good. It did a very good job at it, but it didn't change. Like when you're talking about revolutionizing things, you're talking about what Jurassic Park did. They were doing things that had never been seen. As much as I don't like the Phantom Menace, the Phantom Menace revolutionized things. They did like 15 different things in that movie that had never been done before from a visual effects point of view. Go listen to John Knoll, the great John Knoll, talk about how many different things they pioneered in that one movie. That's crazy. So I wouldn't say it did that. So no, I I really disagree that as much as I love that first Transformers movie, I would disagree that it is this generation's Jurassic Park. I, I would not go that far, but it is a very special movie to me, and I'm glad you like it because I like it too. All right. Uh, let's see. Next up, we've got John Wick writes, I finally watched John Wick last night, a really good biopic of myself. I can't wait uh, to relive it by watching chapters two and three. I'm telling you what, I have a buddy of mine who's still up in Canada that finally, it was about maybe two or three months ago, they finally watched John Wick for the first time. And then they watched two and three, like within a week or something like that. That first John Wick movie is so special. It's just so special. 
you know, and I've, I've always said this and it's true and go back next time you go back and watch this movie. Think about this. The most important thing they did in that movie was kill the puppy. Some of you have heard me talk about this before. It's true. It sounds horrible to say, but it's true because basically what they had to do when they were making this movie, it's like, okay, we're going to have this movie where this hero is just going around and accumulating a really ungodly body count. He's killing and hurting a lot of people, our hero. Like so much, he's killing so many people. How do we get the audience? Because, you know, as an audience, when you empathize with the hero, that gets you a long way. We need to get the audience completely emotionally on the hero's side. So that when he starts doing all this unspeakable violence and murder and all this kind of stuff, that the audience is right there with them emotionally, right? And they came up with the single best way I can possibly think of doing it. They did it with a puppy. Now, I've joked about this, but it's true. Because when you, first of all, they make us fall in love with this damn puppy, right? It's not just a cute puppy on the screen. They made us in the audience fall in love with this damn puppy, right? We loved this puppy. And we loved that this puppy melted John Wick's hardened heart because of the passing of his wife. His heart had gone hard in this little puppy. We watched the puppy melt his heart and our hearts melt. And we love this puppy so much. That when Reek came into the house and killed the puppy, I am telling you, Catholic nuns out for a night at the movies were standing in the theater going, oh, this fucker got to die. There were nuns standing up and going, this fucker got to die. Where's John Wick? Kill this son of a bitch. Like, like, right? So instantly, just like that. This was brilliant storytelling because instantly they got us completely onto the murder train with John Wick. We were just now like, screw, screw everything. Screw restraint. Screw patience. Screw rationality. Let's get on this murder train, John. Let's go and kill these fools. Kill them all because they killed a puppy. Because they killed a puppy. I've seen movies where... The hero's wife dies or gets murdered, right? I've seen movies where the hero's love interest gets murdered in the movie, and it doesn't get one-tenth of the audience as emotionally invested in the hero's journey after that as that damn puppy getting killed. It is the most brilliant thing they ever did in the to get that John Wick. Fr- I'm telling you right now, if they hadn't done, if it wasn't for that puppy, we wouldn't have the John Wick trilogy. It just would have been another kind of brainless action shoot 'em up, but we were so emotionally invested in it that every time John Wick killed anybody remotely associated with the death of his puppy, we felt satisfied. There was something satisfying as an audience member when you do that. Now, uh, going off on a John Wick tangent, I, my one problem with John Wick's two and three, although I like John Wick two and I love John Wick three. But my one problem with John Wick's two and three is that when you go about and now watch John Wick two and three, now that you've seen the first one, is that all of a sudden nobody's afraid of John Wick anymore. Like in the first John Wick movie, 
everybody is terrified. Just the mention, like he's Voldemort. John Wick is Voldemort. People don't even want to say his name. He is the Baba Yaga. To the point when a rush, a powerful Russian mafia guy goes, why'd you hit my son? He stole John Wick's car. Oh, right. When we move into John Wick's two and three, all of a sudden they forgot that the name of John Wick would make even the, the hardest of and most powerful of mobsters tremble, right? We get into John Wick's two and three, any two-bit hitman. Oh yeah, go go take on John Wick, sure. And, and, it's, and they lost that sense. He wasn't the Baba Yaga anymore. And that's the one, that's the one thing about John Wick's two and three. And again, I like John Wick two and I love John Wick three, but that's the one little part that bothers me. I hope when they do John Wick four, that they reintroduce, they reestablish that again. So that, hey, the name John Wick causes a reaction in people in that world, right? Anyway, I hope they do that. Okay, sorry. I got off on a, a tangent there. Okay, let's move on. Um, oh, so who is it? DF23 is saying in the live chat, John Wick is Voldemort meets Thanos. Yeah, pretty much. That's John Wick, at least in John Wick 1. All right, Luke 1234 writes, Within the last couple of years, these sci-fi icons have received new films in their franchises, Alien, Predator, Terminator, and Robocop, all of which didn't do well financially either. So which one do you think we'll see a new film for next? If you're talking about out of those four, well, we're supposed to get another Robocop movie, right? We're supposed to get another Robocop movie. I think Alien... As much as Ridley Scott wants to do another one, I think the studio is very hesitant to greenlight another alien. They just haven't done great, right? The, the interest for the alien franchise just isn't there anymore. I think it'll come back, but it's just not there anymore right now. Predator as well. I was so excited about Shane Black's Predator because I love Shane Black. I was so, and I like the cast and I was so excited about that movie. That movie was terrible. I still love Shane Black, right? Give me some kiss, kiss, gang, bang anytime. And, uh, and, um, uh, uh, nice guys and, you know, whatever. I love Shane Black, but that predator movie was terrible. Um, and Terminator, you know, I didn't, I even didn't mind the last term, the, the most recent Terminator movie. With the terrible, I'm going hunting song in the trailer. What a terrible, terrible, terrible choice for a song in a trailer. Anyway, uh, not that the song's bad. It was just a bad fit for the trailer. Anyway, I, I thought that movie was pretty good. I, I I know a lot of people didn't like it, and that's cool. But I actually thought it was okay. I thought that Terminator movie was actually okay. Uh, so I, I, I'm going to go on a limb here. I'm going to guess Terminator. I'm going to guess Terminator. That's that's one I'll guess there for that. Um, okay. Anyway, let's move on here. Uh, that was just in time to chat where it got to. Aaron McDonough writes, Hey, John, I know you didn't like Tom's recent film, Devil All the Time, but I imagine you can agree that the performances were excellent. Uh, who are your favorites? No, the performance, listen, the performances in it were quite solid, Right. The performances in it were quite solid. I even said the other day, there's this great scene, this the church, like the big final confrontation of uh, Robert Pattinson 
and Tom Holland in the chapel. And it was seeing the two of them acting their characters. They're very different characters than Willem Dafoe and Robert Pattinson in Lighthouse. But there was there was something about the level of acting in it that was very reminiscent for me of Lighthouse. Uh, the one Pattinson did like a year ago with uh, Willem Dafoe. Strange movie. Strange movie. Anyway, there was something really good. But they, the whole cast was quite good, actually. I thought the whole cast was quite good. It's unfortunate that great performances can only elevate a movie so much because it just, yeah, it's, and listen, I don't want to misrepresent myself. I don't want to say, come across as if I'm saying I thought devil all the time was bad. It's not that I'm saying that it's just that it, it didn't live up to the potential it had like really didn't live up to, I, I just thought it was kind of weak, but the performances I'm completely with you, Aaron. I, I thought they were, Excellent. And I cannot wait. Actually, so good. It's made me, I think Rob might have said this too. It's made me more excited to see Tom as um in Uncharted. It's it's made me even more excited to see him in Uncharted. Like something other than Spider-Man. I like him as Spider-Man, but I've I already know what I'm getting from him in Spider-Man. It's seeing him in Devil All the Time made me more excited to see him in Uncharted. So we'll see where that goes. All right, Sam uh Philip writes. Hey, John, do you still think the J.J. Abrams Superman movie with Henry Cavill could still happen? I'm just curious because we haven't heard about it in a while. Also, without getting into politics these days, uh, these next few days could be rough, uh, but we can get through this. Yeah, again, I, I, look, we all have our outlets to talk about politics, right? And politics are important things. But here on this show, this is our safe space. This is where we're all friends, right? We're all film fans together here. Yes, I do believe that J.J. Abrams... Man of Steel thing. And I wouldn't expect to hear anything about it for quite some time. I really wouldn't expect to hear anything about it for quite some time. Uh, now, by the way, I don't know that the next Superman movie is going to be directed by J.J. Abrams. I do know that he was offered it. But I don't know if that's what's going to happen. I don't know. But I still think that's very much a possibility. I still think that is very much a possibility. What the word I got uh, from people close to the situation was that J.J. Uh, Abrams was offered Superman, and if he wanted it to be the Henry Superman, Henry Cavill, it could be Henry Cavill Superman. So, what will ultimately happen? I don't know, but I don't expect to hear anything for a little while. But yes, I do think that can still happen. I, I still, I, actually, I still think that will happen. I don't know that it'll happen. That's a big difference. But I still think that's what's going to happen. So let's wait and see. All right. Next up, Raymond Verrata writes, AMC and Cinemark are finally opening here in San Francisco. Uh, I can finally watch Tenet and New Mutants. If they limit the sales at the concession, I can bring my own popcorn or can I bring my own popcorn? I miss eating buttered popcorn at the theater. Well, if they do it in your theater there, the way they did it in... Las Vegas and in Orange County. Cause I went to go see Tenet in Orange County, which is about a 45 minute to an hour drive from me. And I went to see, I went to go see new mutants in Las Vegas. I literally drove three and a half hours to Las Vegas, watched the movie with my buddy soul, got back in the car, drove three and a half hours back just so, cause I hadn't been in a movie theater in like six months. So the way they handle concessions, I thought was really good at both of those theaters. So, you could get popcorn and all that kind of stuff, but 
they had limited offerings, like things that particularly people didn't have to get their hands on. And then for soda, like I really appreciate, I didn't think about this, but I really appreciated what they did. Normally you go into the theater, you order a soda, they give you a cup, you take the cup to the soda dispensing machine, right? And you pick your flavor and you get soda dispensed. I didn't even think about this. That would have been terrible because now you're getting your hands and touching these buttons that 300 people before you have been touching, right? So what they did was they would give you a cup and then you would take a cup to the station and a staff person would pour your drink for you. So that way it was only just one person touching the machine. Brilliant. And so you shouldn't have, if they do it the same way there that they did in those other places, I'm guessing you're not going to have any trouble getting your buttered popcorn because it sounds like you're like me. I go into a movie theater. I have to have buttered popcorn. I never have popcorn at home, but when I'm in a movie theater, I got to have my buttered popcorn. So you shouldn't have too much trouble with that. All right. Next up, Sam Phillip writes, I'm a big fan of Scooby-Doo and I watched the Supernatural crossover episode, not having watched Supernatural before and loved it. Now I started the show from the beginning and I'm loving it. That's awesome. Anything that can get you into Supernatural to me is a big win. I love Supernatural. And yes, this thing that they did with Scooby-Natural which is only something a show like Supernatural can do. So for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, so Supernatural, you've probably heard me talk about Supernatural a lot, like right? There's always a big overarching story every season with the boys. They hunt monsters, but they also do weekly, week-to-week episodes and stuff like that. They're hunting vampires one episode. They're doing ghosts another episode, whatever. So they did this crazy crossover with Scooby-Doo. Where somehow, some way, the boys, Sam and Dean, get teleported into a Scooby-Doo cartoon. And so the whole episode is them in Scooby-Doo animated form, and they're trying to solve one of their supernatural mysteries with the Scooby-Doo gang. And it's hilarious. And, and I'm not a big Scooby-Doo guy, to be honest with you. I'm not, I'm not the world's biggest Scooby-Doo guy. I'm just not. Sorry, Freddie Prince Jr., but I'm not the biggest Scooby-Doo guy in the world. But that episode was incredible. It was so fun and so creative, and they just put a whimsy to it that was just so enjoyable to watch. And I'm glad it got you turned on the show because I've been watching this show a long time, man. I I love Supernatural, so I'm glad that got you into it. All right. R. Lee writes, hey, John. I read an opinion piece on Yahoo a few days ago about AMC theaters and Disney. His position was that Disney owned theaters, that Disney owned theaters more time. Let's try this again. His position was that Disney owed theaters, not owned, owed theaters more time to get on their feet after profiting for years. Mulan now sole going to Disney plus does Disney owe it to be more patient? Well, no, he's wrong. He's wrong. Listen, there is a symbiotic relationship between the theaters and the studios, right? As much as people like, as as popular as it is to say, oh, they can just do everything streaming. Sorry, they're not going to make a fraction of the money on streaming that they make in theaters with these movies. They know that. That's just, that's just the facts. There, so there's a symbiotic relationship between the studios and the theaters. The studios need the theaters up and running and healthy. So, and the theaters need the studios clearly. So 
But do what do they owe each other? Here's the thing. Everybody needs to be responsible for ensuring their own survival first in this business environment and then looking beyond that because, hey, Disney might be thinking, hey, okay, look, think about this. You know how when you're in an airplane and they say, okay, they do the little safety walkthrough before the flight takes off and they say, make sure with the air masks, the oxygen mask comes down, make sure you first put on your oxygen mask before you try to help somebody else. The reason for that is if you pass out, you're going to be of no use to anybody. Right. If you don't get your mask on and you pass out, then you're not going to be able to help the person beside you or help anybody else. Right. If the studios aren't keeping their movies alive, they're not going to be able to be of any help to the theaters. And look, it's not like Disney that soul is the only movie Disney has. Disney has a lot of movies in the pipe, like a lot of movies in the pipe. And like, look at Black Widow. They've been delaying and delaying Black Widow. Those big things that they know will make a big impact with the theaters. They've been protecting that. But you can't do that for every film. Now, look, Mulan, they wanted to experiment with something. And I think they knew they didn't have a very good movie on their hands. Mulan was okay. Don't get me wrong. It's okay. I enjoyed it to a degree, but nowhere near as much as I thought it would. And a lot of people didn't like it. Um. And then Seoul, they had moved. And look, you can only push things so many times. But it's not like, but they moved Eternals to give the theaters more runway. They they continued to move Black Widow to give the theaters more runway. They have been doing a lot to make sure that they're going to have some big, big films to put in those movie theaters when they open again, if they open again. But they've made sure they've got some big, big films to put in those movie theaters. It's not like they were blowing their load and just dropped everything on streaming just like that, right? They didn't do that. So Disney, I believe, has been responsible to themselves and been responsible to the theaters at the same time. And I think I think most of the, not all of them, but I think most of the studios have done the same thing. So anyway, that's my take on it at any rate. Uh, okay, let's see. Uh, next up, we've got Jesse writes. In response to the question off the top, I am... I'm not what you consider a Star Wars fan. I've never seen a Star Wars movie all the way through. Through, I didn't grow up on Star Wars at all. The Mandalorian is my first real dive into Star Wars, and it was my favorite show of last year. I think that's a great thank you. I think that's a great example of the point, Jesse. Thank you for putting that in. Um, and because the other thing that this uh, that this uh, great Patreon supporter wrote in yesterday, just expressing their own thoughts and opinions on the show, which is totally fair. Was that, you know, the only people, the only reason people like Baby Yoda is because they just want to see how he ties into the, to the bigger Star Wars universe. And I really disagreed with that. I'm like, that is not true. Because I'll tell you what, my wife, when she saw Baby Yoda, went, oh, it's so cute. Like all the girls and all the guys who went to seeing Baby Yoda for the first time, like, oh, look how cute he is. They didn't give a shit how he tied into the bigger Star Wars universe. All they knew was that is the most adorable little freaking thing I've seen all year. That's all they cared about. That's all people cared about. Now, some of us care about, ooh, what's the deeper connection to Yoda's race and all? Yeah, 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 some of us. But I'm telling you, I totally believe this, that the vast majority of people, when it comes to baby Yoda, they don't give a shit about, about what's his uh, connection to Yoda and the Force. No, 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 they don't care. That's like, it's baby Yoda. Oh, he's so good. That's all they care about. 
right? So anyway, so anyway, thanks for writing that in, Jesse. I appreciate that. All right, next up, uh, Rob the Cookie Thief writes, movies turning 10 years old today. What? 127 hours turns 10 years old today? Due date, that's the Robert Downey Jr. Zach Galifianakis film. Uh, for Colored Women, Megamind, that's the Will uh, Ferrell animated film. Uh, and Turning 20, McGee's Charlie's Angels. Uh, you know what? I am going to get started again in 2021. I'm going to get um, rewind started back up again. For those of you who don't remember, back in the AMC days, I started a show called AMC Rewind where um, we would look at films celebrating significant anniversaries 10 and 20 years that week. And then we we weren't getting enough views on that show. So we closed the show down and we made rewind a segment on movie talk. And we would, uh, and we would talk about that. I'm going to bring that back. I'm going to bring that back. I miss doing that because I think that's great. They bring this up. There's a lot of nostalgia that I definitely have to bring that back. Um, but yeah, 127 hours, dear heavens due date. I didn't love due date, but it was, it was pretty fun. Uh, Mega mind was fun. McGee's Charlie's angels. I loved McGee's Charlie's angels. I really did. I love that movie. Not a big fan of the second one. I wasn't a big fan of the sequel, uh, but I loved that first one. I had a lot of fun with that first one. Oh, can't believe that one's turning 20. Dear heavens. All right, next one up. Thanks for sending that in, Rob. Next one up, Saberwolf, one of our Patreon supporters, writes in. Hey, John, like you, the first Transformers movie was my favorite. That scene when Blackout Transformers uh, and hearing... Uh, the OG sound, and then he wrecked shop. Amazing. Also, any news on second season of War for Cybertron? Really enjoyed the first season. Yeah, I I liked the first season. I liked the first season. Um, didn't love it though, but I liked it, and I liked it enough that I will definitely watch season two. I have not kept my ear to the ground about it, so I I don't know when we're going to get season two. But I liked it. My biggest problem with it though was. That Optimus Prime was stupid. Like they made Optimus Prime dumb. And I, yeah, I, I, I just, and that just irritated me the whole way through. And there was a lot of very big logic problems. It's like, wait a minute, this is happening. But earlier he said that couldn't happen because, and then they just ignore. Anyway. But I still had fun with it. It was actually one of the better, tra other than Bumblebee, other than the movie Bumblebee, which I really enjoyed. Thank you, Travis Knight, for making that film. Um, that Transformers stuff was my favorite Transformers thing we had seen since the since you know the first Michael Bay Transformers movie. Uh, so I enjoyed it, but uh, yeah, I just didn't like the way they handled that. By the way, speaking of Netflix animated stuff, a little bit of a side note. Have any of you guys been watching uh, Blood of Zeus, the Blood of Zeus that's on Netflix right now? I, last night, <laughs> okay, so you know how I already explained to you guys that last night um, I was like just stressed, my stomach is in knots and all that kind of stuff. So starting at about six o'clock in the evening, I started playing uh, an episode of Blood of Zeus. And then I would watch the news a bit. And then I'd go watch another episode of Son of Zeus. And then I'd watch the news for a bit. Then I'd go back to another episode. Of, and I got through Blood of Zeus, I should say. I got through the entire series. Season, at least. I got through the entire season. It was really quite good. 
Not the best thing I've seen on Netflix all year, but it was really quite good. I had a good time with it. But for those of you who have seen it, Blood of Zeus, animated thing that's on Netflix right now, really quite good. Eight episodes. They're eight, like 25 minute episodes. You can blow through it pretty quick. There's this one episode. There's a lot in this show that is just Star Wars, like just totally Star Wars, including minor, minor spoiler here, but including for those of you who've seen it, there's a scene where this girl goes to this Minotaur and it's totally an Empire Strikes Back ripoff because she gets there to do something. And then all of a sudden the bad guys come out and the Minotaur's like, I'm sorry, I had no choice. They got here just before you did. I'm like, okay, Lando. Right. And then as the bad guys emerge, like, okay, well, we're going to take her with us. And then just like Lando, the Minotaur's, wait, that's not the deal. The deal was you leave her here with me. And I'm like, okay, Lando. And he said, I was just waiting for the bad guy to go. I am altering the deal. Pray I do not alter it further. But he basically says that he goes, it's either her or your people. Right. Basically, I was like, this is such an Empire Strikes Back ripoff. Anyway, it was still really good. Still really good. Sorry, I got sidetracked there for a second. Uh, let's move on then, shall we? Uh, next up, we've got uh, Rob the Cookie Thief who writes, I watched uh, We Are Marshall for the first time. Oh, it's been a while since I watched that. For the first time, and I liked it a lot. Do you miss the golden age of sports movies like uh, Greatest Game Ever Played, Gridiron Gang, Glory Road, Invincible, Miracle? Yeah, we just don't get the great sports movies anymore. I mean, like the last, I think the last one that I truly loved, although maybe this wasn't the last one, I'd have to think I'm terrible with dates, but was Mystery Alaska. That's got Russell Crowe about this little town called Mystery Alaska, where like hockey is life and they get the attention of the NHL. It's a great sports movie. It is a great, 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 great movie. No one ever talks about the movie Mystery Alaska. It's wonderful. I love it. Ah, a little biased maybe because I'm Canadian. And I love hockey so much, but it's an American town, a mystery Alaska. And I thought it was great. Um, but yeah, uh, movies like that, um, like Miracle, we just don't get them anymore. I mean, uh, I loved Warrior. Warrior was great with Tom Hardy. Uh, I love that. That was great, but that was a while ago too. Fighter with with Mark Wahlberg and Christian Bale. That's that's actually a really good one. But this, even that's a few years ago now. Yeah, like when's the last time you had like a great baseball movie or a great football movie? I don't know. It's it's been a while. So yes, uh, yes, I do kind of. Uh, I do miss those films. I do miss those films. I mean, they, Creed, Creed's, Creed was good. Uh, all right, next up, uh, Blue Marvel writes, Hey, John, I'm curious about your thoughts on the life and career of Sean Connery and his comments regarding it being okay to hit women. It was through hearing the conversation regarding Johnny Depp on Monday's show, followed by a tribute to Sean Connery. Thanks. I know nothing about it. I heard somebody else bring that up. I know nothing about it. I, I've never heard of that, so I know nothing about it. And uh, it doesn't really sound like something I'd be interested at all in hearing. I'm assuming, though, it must be something like from a bygone era when our entire culture thought backwards about how men should treat women. Uh, I'm assuming it probably came from that cultural environment when pretty much all of us were idiots. Not that I was alive in that era. So 
I have, I have, I can offer nothing to it because until somebody uh, wrote something to me about that the other day, I'd never even heard of the incident. I, I'm just assuming it probably took place before I was even alive. So no comment. I because I don't know anything about it. All right, Cecil writes. Since Plus seems to be the new standard for premium content, how about Campia Plus? Ideas for shows. Righteous Rants, Felipe, The Lost Microphone, Rob, The Verisimilitude, and it can launch with the infamous dance tape. Come on, John, release the Pisces cut. No, my my breakdancing VHS tapes will never see the light of day. But honestly, since we're having such a casual day here today, honestly, um, I... You guys remember about a year ago, maybe it was less than a year ago, when everybody, all the YouTube creators were really freaking out because YouTube was doing this thing where it could shut down, like, if if, if it got deemed that your videos were targeted at kids, you were going to get, like, a $50,000 fine, you're going to get shut down, but if you do say your videos are made for kids and you get no revenue, you get no... Anyway, it was just, it was a very confusing time. There was a lot of conflicting information and a very bad job by YouTube in communicating what was actually happening. And it made me terrified because I was like, okay, clearly my shows are not made for children. Children can watch my show, even though I swear once in a while, but kids can watch my show, but my shows are not made for kids. But I was terrified because it's like, I did a review of Frozen 2, right? I did a review on my channel of Frozen 2. All I need is some idiot to go, yeah, I deem this as being targeted at kids, even though it totally wasn't targeted at kids. So anyway, I don't mean to go into that whole thing again, but what, what that got me thinking about was, was it time? I started thinking about alternatives to my show being on YouTube. And listen, I, I have continued to keep my options. Listen, YouTube is a wonderful, wonderful platform. It's a fantastic service. There is no way I would be able to afford to have the, to pay for the bandwidth, to pay for the tens and tens of thousands of dollars every month in bandwidth costs alone to stream my video. YouTube gives me a platform. It gives us an environment. I can upload and stream my, my shows for free. Uh, I mean, they take a cut of my revenue, but that's fine. It's great. But I have also been keeping, ever since that happened last year, I've been keeping my eye open for other alternatives for doing my show. And I'm not going to lie to you. One of the options that I have thought about, but obviously I never did it, but I'm just saying one of the things that I thought about was kind of taking my show um, as a Patreon only show. Where So it would kind of be like a Campia Plus, right? Because we have a, a whole bunch of, uh, of Patreon supporters and thought about, okay, you know what? Instead of relying on YouTube, what if we just made the John Campia show and all the videos that go along with it and we just make it for Patreon supporters? And it's a Patreon-only show. And it would be all the videos go to my Patreon page and blah, blah, blah. That way I don't have to worry about fines from YouTube and I don't have to worry about monetization. And I don't have to worry about all that kind of stuff. We'll have much fewer viewers, but I've never cared if I've had a lot of viewers or not. That's never been a priority to me. You know, just, you know, do we have a good community? Are we able to generate enough revenue that I can pay people that work with me that I can pay myself and, you know, to keep the lights on? That's all that matters. 
And, you know, I don't need to have, you know, 3 million viewers a month. I don't need that. So it's something that I thought about before. And I, I won't lie to you. It's something that has crossed my mind once or twice. Now, I know I would lose a lot of numbers if I did that. I, I totally know that. But I don't know. It's uh, it's something that has crossed my mind. But clearly, not all that much because here we still are doing it on YouTube. And I'm very grateful for the platform here on YouTube. All right. Next up. Uh, thought about uh, thought about Twitch as well, but I opted against Twitch. Uh, anyway, James L.H. writes, Hey, John, you mentioned Sean Connery turned down Gandalf for League of Extraordinary Gentlemen and another Lord of the Rings League of Gentlemen link you know of is Stuart Townsend uh, as Dorian Gray. That's right. I totally forgot about that. Was also cast as Aragon in film scenes before Jackson released him because he wasn't right. That's exactly right. It was kind of the same situation that happened on uh, Back to the Future, right? Because I'm, I'm forgetting that if you guys know Remember in the uh, live chat, what, who the name of the actor was who was originally cast to play Marty McFly? Because it wasn't Michael J. Fox. If you guys remember who it was uh, in there, but it was kind of the same situation. They had hired somebody else to play Marty McFly. For whatever reason, Eric Soltz, thank you so much, Omar94. Uh, and then they replaced him with Michael J. Fox, rest is history. So Peter Jackson had hired uh, Stuart Townsend to play Aragon. And just they went through, they even started shooting the movie and Peter Jackson was just like, uh, this ain't working. This isn't right. And they went out and got someone else and Vigo became a household name and the rest is history. So, and you're right. And that is yet another connection to League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. So thank you. So that's a well done. Well done pointing that out, James LH. Well done. All right. Next up, Ahmed Z writes one of two. Hey, John, I'm getting frustrated at the MCU and the DCEU handicapping their universes due to lack of people going to theaters due to COVID, which in theory could take five to 10 years for a vaccine, according to previous average time for previous vaccines, flus. Um, I guess what I'm saying is why not adapt to the times instead of constant delays that could go on for years. They have HBO max and Disney plus now while Mulan didn't do great MCU. Um, while Mulan didn't do great MCU and DCU are just way bigger properties, which I believe could do well in VOD. You're wrong. That that's you're wrong. They won't, they won't do a fraction of what they will do in theaters. They simply won't make a fraction of what they make would make in theaters. I mean, they, they would do well for movies that are on VOD. They'll do very well for movies that are on VOD, but they won't come close. You're asking, why don't they do it? Because they know these movies won't make close. If they thought for one second they could make close, they'd be putting those movies out. And I, I guess MCU is big, but remember, Mulan was projected to be over a billion dollar film. They were projecting Mulan was going to be over a billion dollar film. And it lost them so much money doing the VOD thing. It lost them so much money doing the VOD thing. They believe, and they're right to believe, that there is a light at the end of the tunnel that they are going, that somehow we are going to find a way like, you know what, you know what I've always said about this Ahmed, right? Is that to me, it's not about, um, 
it's not about waiting for COVID to disappear. It's about learning to how to function with COVID out there, right? It's about learning how to function with COVID out there. And I believe, you know, there have been no COVID cases connected to movie theaters opening again. As of right now, uh, and I looked this up again the other day, it may have changed in the last couple of days, but every study that I saw said there have been no new COVID outbreaks that have been connected to movie theaters being open again. There have been a lot of ones connected to other sort of things people do, but not to movie theaters because movie theaters have taken the right precautions. They're very strict about their policies and they managed it right. And we're going to evolve to understand how we manage it. Now, everything I'm saying is saying that we're probably going to have a, a vaccine sometime in 2021. I'm no doctor, so I don't know that, but it's about managing that. Listen, all Disney and DC and Warner Brothers want to do is make money. They're greedy. They're very, 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 very greedy. All right. And in the words of Michael Douglas, greed is good. Greed works when it comes to business. They're very, very greedy. They want the dollar bills. They want the money. And so they are going to do what their analytics and studies tell them is going to get them the money. That's what they're going to do because they're greedy. You can trust. If there's one thing you can trust about Warner Brothers or Disney, you can trust in their greed, right? Never doubt any corporations. I'm not, I'm not trying to pick on Warner Brothers or Disney. I'm not picking on them, but that's business. That's what business do. You can trust in their greed. Their greed is going to motivate them to do every study, to do all the research, to find out what is going to make them the most money. And then you can count on them doing that, which will make them the most money. And that's why they haven't just gone, eh, let's just drop it on Disney Plus. Eh, let's just drop it on HBO Max. That's why. Because they know they've done the studies. They know we're not going to make the money. We're not going to make the money. We're going to make far more money if we wait another six months and put it out in theaters. Even though it's costing us to wait, it's costing us to wait. We're still going to make infinitely more money if we then just drop it on, if we uh, then just dropping it online. So. That's the thing. It's all about everybody. See, this is the thing. Everybody thinks they're economic experts, right? And I'm guilty of this too, but I'm not picking on you, Ahmed Z. I, I'm guilty of this too. I am absolutely guilty. I think we all are, right? We all think we're economic experts. So we, you know, we say, even though the companies have done the studies, they know what makes the money and what doesn't, but we think we know better than they do. And I do it myself. I know I've done it too. Uh, we all do. But uh, yeah, anyway, that, that's why. That's why. And until something fundamentally changes, which happens in life. So until something fundamentally happens that changes that whole paradigm, uh, studios are going to do what they believe will make them the most money. It's just that simple. You know? They are in a symbiotic relationship with the theaters, yes, but if they thought they could make all the money without the theaters, they'd just, they would just take Black Widow, put it on Disney Plus right now. They would just take Eternals, put it on Disney Plus right now. But they know they're going to lose out on a lot of money if they do that, and that's why. Anyway, and we'll see if that's – hey, and everything changes, man. Everything changes, but that's the way things are right now at any rate. All right, Dragon Druid writes – 
the YouTube uh, channel Corridor Crew are LA VFX artists and has reaction series featuring stunt pros, VXF uh, uh, visual effects artists and animators who explain in detail how movie scenes were shot. Um, they also create and modify interesting tech like camera rigs, drones, and one wheels. Woo, really? I was just talking about one wheels. Uh, they are a big inspiration for me as a photographer slash graphic designer. I have never heard of this channel, but when I'm sitting in front of my television, more times than not, I've got YouTube on my television. I, I, I watch more YouTube than I watch anything else on my TV. And I'm always looking for really cool, interesting things. So let me get the name of that again. It is Corridor Crew. I'm going to have to, because obviously my background in visual effects, I'm always looking for new gear and gadgets and people talk. This sounds great, Dragon uh, Dragonborn. This sounds great. Thank you for the recommendation. I'm going to have to go and check that out. Appreciate that, man. All right. Aston Regis writes, I don't like Star Wars, but love The Mandalorian in response to the viewer who said they only like it because it's Star Wars. So that proves his point incorrect. I find it refreshing uh, to the usual Star Wars content. Yeah. And I, again, I agree with you. Now, look, at, look, I, I'm not naive. It Mandalorian being a Star Wars property certainly helps its popularity. There's no doubt about that the market recognition, the market reach, all that kind of stuff. It's absolutely a positive thing for them that it is a Star Wars property. But I don't believe it relies on being a Star Wars property for the audience to enjoy it. You know what I mean? And I think there are a lot of people like you asked. And I think there are probably a lot of people who um, maybe were never all that connected with Star Wars. I, I've got a couple of female friends and I'm not trying to stereotype. I'm just telling you my experience. All right. I'm not trying to stereotype, but I've got a couple of my female friends who never into star Wars, anything like that. But the moment they saw in their YouTube feed, like they never watched the first episode of Mandalorian, but the moment they saw in their YouTube feed and their Twitter feed, what is that? And it's a picture of baby Yoda. Ah! And all of a sudden, they're watching Mandalorian. Again, I'm not trying to stereotype. I'm just telling you what my experience has been with a couple of friends of mine. But yeah, it's it's just bringing in a whole new audience too as well. So that one's a big win. Thanks for sharing your experience with that, man. All right. Grayshot117 writes, hey, John, if Wonder Woman has to move and Warner Brothers needs something, what about moving up Godzilla versus Kong? The previous film wasn't making the money they wanted, but retool and marketing to make it similar to a UFC event for the holiday might be worth a shot. Nah, they won't do that. And here's why. If they move, they're not moving Wonder Woman off of that December date unless they feel that the market right now can't sustain it. In other words, they're not going to move Wonder Woman if they think, oh, the audience is going back to the theaters. There are enough theaters open. They're open in New York and Los Angeles and blah, blah, blah. And we've got a lot of positive indicators there. But if any of that was true, they won't move Wonder Woman. If they move Wonder Woman, it'll be because they feel that they don't have enough of those indicators. New York and, and LA aren't still aren't open yet. Uh, there's new spikes, which we think is going to hurt the number of people going out to theaters right now at Christmas time, blah, blah, blah. And if they feel that way, why would they take another one of their projects and drop it in there? Right? 
I mean, don't get me wrong. I would love the, the, the earlier I can see Kong versus Godzilla, the better. Don't get, I'll take it. I totally take it. All I'm saying is think of it this way. If you have a, a, a precious possession of yours, uh, let's say it's, I don't know, let's say it's your laptop, whatever, in a little room that catches on fire. Well, you're going to take your laptop out of that room. You wouldn't take it out of the room and then replace it with another precious item to you. You're taking it out of the room because the room's on fire. Why would you put something else in the room that's on fire? If they're pulling Wonder Woman off of that December date, it's because they believe the room's on fire. So they're not going to take another valuable asset like a Godzilla versus Kong and drop it in there too. So probably not. And if it, if the room's not on fire, then they're not going to move Wonder Woman. So uh, that's my shot. But I like the way you're trying to think about that. Like You're thinking in terms of scheduling and filling those market availabilities, right? And you should be thinking like that, but that's just why I think in this particular situation that wouldn't work out. All right. James LH writes about Sean Connery loved his bond. Uh, would you agree with me? I think his best period was the 10 years between 86, starting with the Highlander to 96, the rock. He won an Oscar for untouchables, a BAFTA name of the Rose and was Indy's dad, uh, captain to Russian sub. Oh yeah. Listen, so when we talked about Sean Connery the other day and, you know, we did something where we were like, okay, obviously when we all think of Sean Connery, we think of James Bond. Totally get it. Absolutely. But I just wanted us when looking at his career to understand that there was, he was so much more than just Bond. Right. And so when I, we did this little thing about talking about our favorite Sean Connery movies outside of bond. And I think almost everyone that I listed was probably in that time frame: the rock untouchables Highlander, um, you know, films of that ilk is I, I put in there. God, he was so good in untouchables. He was so good, but he's always so good in all of them. I love the rock so much. So yeah, James, I, I think I would have to, I mean, I'd have to go in and look up the years and the dates again, but I think off the top of my head, yeah, I think I got to agree with you. I, I think, I think that would probably be my favorite period for him. So yeah, I'm going to go with you on that one. All right. Next up, we got Wyatt Bender who writes, Hey, John, I agree with you about the first John Wick film, even though I wanted the Russian mobster's son to die because of stealing that nice Mustang and killing his dog. It showed that you don't mess with John Wick. His name rings and people run. Yeah, I completely agree that again, I don't want to be misinterpreted. I very much do like John Wick two, not as much as John Wick one. And I love John Wick three. I think John Wick three is my favorite of the franchise, but they need to get back to that whole thing about, you know, John Wick's here. You either run or you hide. John Wick's around, run. Yeah, I mean, they got to get back to that a little bit. Now, in John Wick 3, when the chairman of uh, the uh, Iron, uh, Iron Kitchen chairman from Iron Chef was the big bad guy, I mean, they did allude to that. Like, he was in awe of him, right? Like, so the bad guy was like in awe of John Wick. I can't remember the actor's name who is the chairman of the Iron Chef. But anyway, um, he was in awe of him. So they did that. But still, all these like other like little hitmen and henchmen, none of them were afraid of John Wick. You got to get that back because that was so central to the first movie. 
Like to the point that even when the snotty little mobster kid says, I'm not afraid of John Wick, everybody looks at him as like, uh huh, yeah, right? You got to get back to that. So that's just kind of my thought on that. Anyway, thanks for saying that in White. All right, White also writes, um, where did it go? Okay. I ordered the Star Wars Rebel hat that you are wearing. Here it goes. It came in a week ago and I can't stop wearing it. Thanks for the recommendation. I love this hat. The, I've, I can't, I think my wife got me this hat initially and I, it's just been my go-to hat. I just, my absolute go-to hat. I love this hat so much. So I'm glad you were able to find it, man. All right. Next up, uh, Durka Durka writes, I rewatched the greatest comedy no one talks about yesterday leading up to the election. Team America World Police. Uh, maybe it's just me who finds this movie hilarious. Everyone has AIDS got me. Everyone has AIDS song kills me every time. That is a movie. You know, the one with the puppets for those of you, who, the, the marionette puppets. That is a movie. America. Fuck yeah. Anyway, that is a movie that you kind of got to be in the mood for, sorry, I'm just pouring myself a drink. You got to be in the mood for, right? It's not just any movie that you just pop on anytime. It's a movie you got to be in the right mood for, but when you're in the right mood and you watch team America, it's hilarious. I just keep remembering here that Trey, Trey Parker and uh, I forget the other name, but those guys, the guys who made it, the South park guys, they were basically like, never again. We are never doing that again. Like they were like, oh yeah, we'll do this movie. Um, we'll do this movie with uh, with puppets. It'll be all. Oh, it'll be so easy because we're gonna do it with puppets. We don't have to worry about actors and stuff like that. And then they did the movie and they're like, it almost killed them. And they're like, never again. Never again are we gonna do uh, something with that kind of a movie again. It just took way, 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 way too much. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, all right. Let's move on here. Next up, uh, and we're at our final question of the day, guys. I thought today's show was going to be like a half hour. And so anyway, here we are. Uh, I, and I got to go to bed. I literally slept two hours. I got to sleep at four, got up at six. I am, I'm dying here a little bit, but this has been fun. I needed this today, guys. Thank you so much for giving me this today. This has been great. Um, last one, Danny Banks writes, Hey, John. I wanted to say I found your show by accident looking for the Mandalorian reviews. Super glad I did. Uh, I did spent all the weekend binge watching all of your past shows. Now I'm hooked. You got a new fan. Oh, dude, thanks so much for that, man. I really appreciate that. It's always, you know, it's always fun. First of all, it's always great when I hear people saying, Hey, John, I've been watching since the AMC, uh, you know, storage broom closet days or since the man of steel review or whatever, or some people, even since the movie blog days, like getting real OG going back to the movie blog day or yeah, the movie blog days. But I also love hearing from people who are new. And who've just found us recently. And that's always great. So I'm glad you're here. Welcome to the community, Danny. And it's good to have you here. All right. Wyatt got in one more here. So let's do one more. Uh, this last one we're going to do here from Wyatt uh, writes, I watched Chitty Chitty Bang Bang and last night and made me love Dick Van Dyke. I mean, how can you not love Dick Van Dyke uh, more? I haven't watched the movie since I was a kid. And Robert Heltman was great as the child uh as the child catcher watch it because of ace ventura when nature calls man dick van dyke i gotta say you know what was amazing the recent remake of mary poppins i i was so excited for that movie it wasn't all it wasn't very good it, it was okay it was okay um 
Emily Blunt was a great Mary Poppins. She was a great Mary Poppins. But I remember there is a scene where Dick Van Dyke, who appears in the movie, the great Dick Van Dyke, appears in the movie and he does this dance number. And I and I saw it before I saw the movie, right? Like I saw a clip of it before I saw the movie. And I saw this clip of Dick Van Dyke doing his dancing. And I remember going, wow, that CGI is amazing. Like the way they either CGI'd his body or the way they CGI'd his face on top of a dancer doing the moves. I thought, wow, that's amazing the way they did that. And then somebody told me, no, that's still Dick Van Dyke doing it at his age. And I, I can't remember. How old is Dick Van Dyke? Hold on a second. Uh, how old is Dick Van uh, Dyke? Dick Van Dyke is 94 years old. So he would have been, I don't know, 92, 91 when he shot it, I guess. But I remember, oh, and Peter, uh, Peter Cunnington just sent in a super chat badge. Thanks, Peter, for supporting. That's really cool of you. Thank you so much, Peter. Um, He's 94 years old. So probably like 91 when he shot it. And somebody told me, John, no special effects. That's Dick Van Dyke doing the dance moves. And I'm like, no, you lying. Why you lie? Why you lie? Turns out it was Dick Van Dyke doing the moves. And um, I just like Dick Van Dyke, ladies and gentlemen, Dick Van Dyke. Um, Anyway, guys, hey, listen, we weren't even supposed to do a show today. And I thought we'd just do it. And I'm so glad we did. Guys, thanks for hanging out with me here today as we just kind of spent, uh, you know, an hour and a half just talking about some some stuff. This has been a lot of fun. I, I needed this today. I really, really did. So thank you guys for that very, very much. He gave me a lot of fun here today. So I hope you enjoyed it as well. Hey guys, listen, special thank you to all you guys who sent in the the live chat questions for two reasons. One, you gave us the great fun things to talk about, but also you supported the channel while you did it. And all of us here, thank you very, very much for that. Special note to our Patreon supporters. Don't forget, guys, we're going to be doing another private screening of my documentary, Movie Trailers, A Love Story, in this upcoming week. And I'm going to be sending out the invita- or the notice for an invitation on the Patreon page uh, in the next couple of days. And then I'll take like the first 25 people who respond to it and we'll set up a private digital online screening of the movie. We did it with uh, some of our Patreon supporters a few weeks ago, had a blast with it. We're going to do it again. And uh, if keep your eye guys, uh, if you're a Patreon supporter, keep your guys eyes open on the Patreon page because that is coming. All right, guys, don't forget tomorrow's no pants Thursday. I think Aaron is feeling better today. So uh, she's, she's going to be back in with me tomorrow, provided we got some stuff to talk about in the, Election stuff doesn't completely dominate the news cycle, which it just might. But we're playing me and Aaron. You know what? If me and Aaron just got to sit down and tell drinking stories tomorrow, then that's what we'll do. So tune in tomorrow with me and Aaron. Guys, thanks so much for being here. Thanks for spending time with me here today. Uh, Don't forget, if you're here and you're one of the newer people and you haven't done so already, why don't you take a second and click on that subscribe button? Become a subscriber to the YouTube channel. It'll keep you up to date on all the stuff we got going on. All right, guys, that will do it for me. Please do the four main things. Stay smart, stay safe, take care of yourselves, and please take care of the people around you. My name's John Campion. Until next time, my friends, bye-bye.